Hello, welcome to our class on 1st and 2nd Peter. My name is Bob Lawrence. I'm one of the Bible class teachers at the Anchorage Church of Christ, and I'm glad you've chosen to join us. This week, we're turning to 1st Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. Now, the letter of 1st Peter is at the end of the New Testament, and so take a minute to turn over to that letter of 1st Peter, and we'll get to our reading in just a minute. But before we get to the reading, I wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the three metaphors that Peter uses in this particular passage. In this reading today, Peter is going to say that we are born again. And the second metaphor that he uses is to say that we are living stones. And the third metaphor is that Peter says that we are a royal or a holy priesthood. So what do these metaphors mean? Well, let's take them one at a time. The first metaphor, Peter says, is that we are born again. Now, this idea of being born again is a uniquely Christian idea. It actually comes from a conversation that Jesus had with a Pharisee named Nicodemus. You can read that entire encounter in John chapter 3, where we are told that a Pharisee named Nicodemus approaches Jesus at night and says to him, we know that you are a man sent from God because nobody could do the things that you do unless God had sent him. And then Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus and says, you understand that no one can enter into the kingdom of God unless he is born again or born from above or born anew. And Nicodemus asks, how can a person be born again? How can a person be put a second time back into his or her mother's womb. And so Jesus explains that there's a, a birth, a natural type of birth that comes from water, but there's also a birth that occurs uh, by the Spirit of God. So there's a natural birth and there's a spiritual birth. And Nicodemus is thrown back on his heels a little bit and he says, how could this be? And Jesus says to him, you are Israel's teacher and this doesn't make sense to you? Now, probably what Jesus is doing is pushing Nicodemus a little bit because as a Pharisee, he would know the scriptures well. And he would be reminded that even in the Old Testament, especially in the writings of the prophets, the, the message is given that God will restore the world again, that he will make it new and that he will take people and restore them to the way they were meant to be in the first place. God will take hearts of stone and he will remake them back into hearts of flesh. And the metaphor that Jesus uses with Nicodemus is to say, it's like being born again. Now, it's important to know that that word born again in the original language actually means to come into existence again. So the word born means to be made, to come into existence. And so the metaphor brings to mind this idea that a person can come into existence again the way they were meant to be uh, in the first place. Well, that term born again, of course, has taken on all kinds of layers of meaning over uh, the thousands of years since the phrase was first used. And even today, uh, the term born again could mean different things depending on the context. But it's important to remove as many of those layers as you can when you hear this metaphor used in today's reading, and Peter reaches back to this word that he heard from Jesus, and then he passes it on to you and says that you are born 
over again. It's one word uh, which basically is born again, that you are remade or brought into existence uh, again. And, and, and that is a good description of what it means to be saved. Remember earlier in chapter 1, Peter said that your faith is like gold. It will be tested, but your faith is like gold, and its target, its end, its goal is that you be saved or that you are restored. And so Peter reaches into his bag of metaphors that he heard from Jesus, and he says, that restoration in you is like going through a birth all over again, except this time, instead of the natural birth, you are brought back into existence in a spiritual birth in which God remakes you to be the person that you were meant to be in the first place. But there's another point that it's important to catch that I think was in Peter's mind as he's writing down this passage that we read today. And that is that to be born naturally means that you are being born into a family. And just as a natural birth means that a a new child is brought into a family, a spiritual birth means that you are being brought or fashioned or put into God's family. Don't miss that. The second metaphor that Peter uses is to say that we are living stones. And at first that might not make sense, but remember this is written in a first century world where many houses in this part of the world would have been built by stones and many of the large buildings of the area would have been built by stones that were specially cut. And so at the quarry, far from where the building is being built, a stonemason would go and cut, and their job was to cut the very stones that would be in a building. Now, the most important stone in the entire building is the one that goes on the foundation right at the corner, because every other stone, of course, will be lined up to that particular stone. So the the builder would spend a lot of time choosing the exact stone that would serve as that first stone in the building of the structure. And then every stone after that would be specially chosen to fit in line with that cornerstone or that starting stone. And if a stone would not be appropriate for the building, it would be rejected. It would be thrown out. And if stones didn't fit exactly where they needed to be in the wall, they would be thrown out and and rejected. And so in the passage that we read today, Peter's going to say, you are like one of those stones that is specially selected in the quarry and is fit into a house that God is building. And notice what Peter says about the cornerstone, about the the most important stone in this entire building that you are a part of. Uh, He says that stone was rejected, which says something about the way you are going to be treated as well. But the second metaphor is that we are living stones. So the first metaphor, we are born again. Second metaphor, we are living stones. And then the third metaphor that he uses is to say that we are a part of a priesthood, a holy priesthood, one that is royal, one that is selected by God. And what that would bring to mind, especially for the first uh, readers of this letter, is the idea of the priesthood that God set aside when he had led the people through the wilderness and he selected Out of the people, a special group, out of all the Israelites, God selected a special group of people who would serve him. And it was only people from this tribe of Levi who would be allowed to wear the special vestments. And on uh, certain occasions, those people would be selected to go into the temple and perform the exact duties that God had prescribed 
there in the temple. And only one of them was allowed and especially assigned once a year to actually go into the tabernacle and then later when they built the temple to go into that holiest place on the planet earth, the holy of holies. Only one person of that group was allowed to go in and there uh, meet with God or to offer the sacrifice uh, to God. And so uh, this priesthood was a special group of people that were selected by God as his own to, to provide uh, for the worship and the sacrifices that are prescribed. So those are the three metaphors that Peter uses to say here uh, that you are a, a person who is born again. You are a living stone and you are a part of a specially selected group of people called the royal priesthood. So listen for each of those metaphors as we read today's passage. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 1 and let's begin in verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So, the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, well, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war and wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evil doers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Well, this is the passage that we will spend some time with this week. 
let me give you just a few hooks within this passage to pay attention to, and then I'll give the passage back to you to spend a little time digging through and, and, and shaving off just the layers of the passage so that you can hear clearly what uh, Peter is sharing with us. The first thing to notice is how this passage begins. At the very beginning of the passage where he says, having purified your very souls by your obedience to the truth. Uh, he begins by recognizing that all of this starts with you being made right again. You are being purified. Perhaps that brings back this idea of the priest. If you are a holy priest, you would be purified before you went in to serve God. And he says here that you are made right again. You are made pure again by your obedience to the truth. Well, for a long time, that, that phrase bothered me because I, I couldn't figure out how is it that a person obeys uh, the truth. I understood how a person could obey God, uh, but this idea of truth just seemed to be uh, somewhat vague. And then it made sense when I found out what the word obey here means. The word obey in this context doesn't mean that you simply do something that someone in authority said to do. The word obey here actually means to listen. It comes from the root, same root word as the word to hear. Sometimes you'll read this or hear this said in other biblical contexts where it says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, this word to hear leads to the word obey. Uh, my kids, when they were growing up, would hear from their grandfather uh, a phrase that reminded them they needed to listen to what he said. And I've never heard him say to them in all the years growing up, he would never say to them, hey, you obey me, or you do what I say. I never heard him say that. Instead, if they were doing something wrong and they needed to listen to what he was saying, he would say to them, open your ears. And he would say that all the time. Hey, open your ears. And, and if you understand what he meant by that, that when a grandfather is trying to teach his grandkids how to appropriately behave, and he says to them, open your ears, if you understand what that means, then what Peter is saying here will make so much more sense. That he's saying that you have been purified because you chose to open your ears. Obedience is not about what you do or don't do. It's about who you are listening to and who you are uh, following in terms of the instructions. And so Peter here says, open your ears. And specifically, open your ears to what is true. Open your ears to what God says. And for those who open their ears to God, there are several things that Peter says that happens. And he gives three basic instructions in this whole passage that we read. The first is that when we open our ears to God, that we love one another in a way that is genuine, that is sincere. It's an agape kind of love in which we are willing to give ourselves for others without asking anything in return. The second thing that he says is that we can put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And then the third thing that Peter says that is characteristic of those who have opened their ears to God is that we can abstain from all the passions of the flesh which war against our soul. And so Peter mentions these three characteristics of people who listen to, who follow God, and who are listening to him. And it's in that context that he gives us those three metaphors. Why do you listen? Because you are born again. You've been made new again. Because you 
are a living stone. You have been specially cut to fit right up next to Jesus. And you will be treated exactly the way that they treated Jesus. But you, being cut especially by God, will serve his purposes in this world. And then third, you are being assigned an honorable task. One of the, the greatest honors that you have as a human being as being is being made a chosen person, a part of a royal priesthood in order to serve serve God. And in that, Peter brings all of that to a conclusion. And he says, because of that, uh, you can love each other genuinely. You can give up all the malice and the jealousy uh, and and you can walk away and give up the passions of your former life and instead live such good lives among the people with whom you live and in the community in which you live. And catch what he says at the end. You can live such good lives among other people that even if they accuse you of doing evil, they will eventually glorify God on the day of his visitation. And so Peter ends this passage by again reminding us of something that he heard from Jesus. I imagine Peter sitting there on the day that Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount heard that very statement. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said something like this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden and neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, they take the lamp and put it on a stand so that it gives light to everyone in the house. And then Jesus says, in the same way, you let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who's in heaven. And here we have Peter remembering that sermon and what he learned from Jesus. And he he writes it down and passes that on to you. And he says, live your life as a person who has been born again, as a person who has been cut especially to fit right up next to Jesus in this house that God is building, you, as one of God's special servants set aside to serve him, you live your life among your community in such a way that when they see your good deeds, even if they accuse you of doing evil, eventually they will glorify God on the day that he visits us. And so don't miss that. Peter is pointing out a great honor that you are one of God's people in this world. And so he, he, he reaches around all of those metaphors and there he says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are part of a holy nation. And you are part of a people that is God's possession as those people live your life in such a way that they will see your good deeds and glorify God. Don't miss that point. And then also don't miss the point that Peter makes, the recognition that if you live your life in this way, you will be maligned, you will be mistreated, you will be misunderstood. There will be people who see your good deeds and accuse you of doing evil. So what do you do when that happens? When you are doing the right thing and following God and people accuse you of doing evil? Well, the answer to that is really what the rest of 1 Peter is all about. 
And we'll spend quite a bit of time over the next several weeks answering that question about what do you do in very specific situations where you are mistreated or misunderstood or maligned or when people accuse you of doing evil even when what you're doing is absolutely right. We'll talk about how to handle those situations in the weeks to come. But for this week, take time to read again 1 Peter chapter 1, start in verse 22, and go to chapter 2, verse about 12. And, uh, and then when you turn the video back on, I'll have some questions for you just to get the conversation started. And I hope you'll spend some time with this passage today and think about what does this mean that God has chosen us to be born again as living stones and, and, and priests in his royal priesthood. May God bless the reading of his word and our attempt in putting it into practice this week. I'll see you next time.